Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell, the podcast where an aging, rapidly aging Gen X author and a self-hating millennial activist come together to thoroughly and conclusively solve our culture war problems with our combined wit, wisdom, and most importantly, lived experiences. I am the aging Gen X author, Megan Daum, and with me is the self-hating millennial, Sarah Hader. So, hi, Sarah. Hi, Megan. I I was uh, schooled this morning in a very loving way by um, a friend I had a long long Zoom call with uh, somebody I know who's very wise and, um, you know, a big, a big supporter of mine, um, but also just very insightful. And she told me that I need to stop. Well, she didn't say it in so many words, but she said, I need to stop calling myself an aging fill in the blank and just stop doing that (laughs) because it, that I need to have more that that I need to not um, not uh, like be you know make fun of myself or but I so I don't know um, I did like it as our as our gimmick and I'm not saying I'm going to give it up but I'm just saying that I'm thinking about it now but what about um, self hating I mean I'm self hating yeah. too so it's not really fair that you get to be self hating and I well, have to be I aging mean, to be honest it is a little untrue self hating I don't really I don't hate myself. Um, really? I mean, I hate other millennials and the fact that I may be another uh, a millennial, but um, I mean, if anything, I think I'm better than them. Yeah, exactly. There's a fine line, of, of course, between right, self hate right. and self love. Right. Um, but so, I, yeah. I like. I think we should just keep them, and then maybe I don't know. Do you feel like you're aging? Yes. I feel like I have age. The, I think I think she wasn't even necessarily talking about this opening. I I tend to be talking about it a lot in my conversations. But the thing is, it it comes up a lot, and especially because I've been talking a lot about the creative economy and how things have changed for artists. Uh, and it's it's very relevant when you're trying to keep doing your career when all the rules have changed and the values and you happen to be of a generation that um, is not naturally inclined to some of the branding and promotion uh, promotional obligations that come with this new world. So I mm-hmm. have been talking about it in kind of that context. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so, think that's, um... but yeah, I shouldn't be like, Oh, I'm so, I don't think I do that. Like I'm so old. Yeah, I, yeah you, you know you don't you don't do that. Back I don't think in, you do that. Back in World War One, yeah, I remember. And you don't. We other than other phones. than educating me on references, I don't understand. Although <laughs> that that doesn't even that's not even necessarily an age thing. Like I I don't get a lot of cultural references that are often just flying right by me. So, um, did you know right, who Olivia right. Newton John was? Mm, sounds familiar. Well, she just uh, died. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sarah, not only do you not know who she was, you didn't even know that she died. Um, no. I, Olivia I, Newton-John so, was a, an icon. 
Is, who was she? Are you going to tell me who she was? She's a singer. <laughs> She's a, a blonde okay. singer from Australia who okay. was in Greece. She was Sandy. Oh, right, in right, the right, right. Original okay. movie of Greece. And no, no, she, I knew, I knew that. That's yeah. that, that was sort of my like. Ver- I had a very vague like connection in my brain between her and Greece, um, which I haven't yeah. seen. So it's really bad. Greece okay. has not aged well. Greece is the rapiest movie you could possibly see. It's mm. it's ba- it's just condoning and celebrating uh, non consensual everything. We should watch it's, it and then we should review it. On, yeah, we should watch it. Like, actually, we should do it as a special live stream where we just watch it and and comment on it, sort of mystery <laughs> science theater style. Okay. Um, I mean, they they really like they, the lyrics to the songs are like, you know, did you get very far? Did she? I mean, it's yeah. it's so it's so rapey. And the thing is that they routinely do productions of this in high school. We we put on a production of it. I think in in middle school, junior oh. high school is what we called it back then. But when I was in ninth grade, I was in a production of Grease. Okay. Oh, that's kind of cute. I'm thinking yeah. about these like. But we were just like pre-teens. saying the most. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And there's, there's. Uh, I mean, Stucker Channing was in the film. It was, and she's a so I don't know who that is well, either, rest- well, she, cool. she is a very well-respected actress and she played Rizzo, who's sort of like the most substantive character, but Rizzo has a Rizzo's a fast girl and has sex and uh, has a pregnancy scare. Uh, uh, okay, and, uh, but of course she, of course it's a false alarm because it always is. Mm. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, all right, I'm going to be more mindful about talking about how I'm old, uh, and you are going to now know who Olivia Newton-John is. Great. She had a when she was also yeah. yeah and she she was part of the disco era she had uh she made records she was a singer uh Xanadu. I think I would have loved the disco era it was fantastic mm-hmm. yeah Sounds Xanadu amazing. was a film um about roller disco <laughs> that was like Busby Berkeley level choreography uh on roller skates in the disco era and mm. uh there's yeah you can look at clips of it on okay. YouTube it's I'm going to have my fully homework fantastic. and take all these notes, all yeah. these names never heard of before. Yeah. But, okay. So we'll just get to our main topic. We're recording this on August 13th. Yesterday, something shocking happened. Uh, Salman Rushdie was attacked on stage. And Sarah, this is something that you uh, have been asked a lot about. So why don't you just uh, take it away? Give us your thoughts. Yeah. Um, and I, I presume most people are familiar with what happened um, to him recently. Um, at this point, at the point of this recording, um, we know that uh, he was stabbed multiple times. Uh, we don't know the details of his condition at the moment, um, except that he seems to have uh, probably lost one eye, um, that there's several nerves in his arm, one of his arms that, um, that were damaged, uh, that he has liver damage of some kind. Um, I know that he was in the, um, like in surgery for a very long time Mm -hmm. like for for multiple hours yesterday, which in itself is a bad sign. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, 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 
and and for somebody his age. Yeah. Um, and what appeared to have happened is he was giving a talk um, in this. Um, I think it, it it's a little town, right? Or it's yeah, a- it's the Chautauqua Institute, which is a it's a cultural institute. It's in Western New York. It's like um, you know, it's very it's it's where people go, very high cultured people, in, in the summer, it's like it's like Tanglewood, but mm. for letters, kind of thing. Right. Well, they, I mean, they clearly expected nothing like this to happen it doesn't seem like there was much security um no uh or at least it, from from my initial readings of 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 uh uh what they had prepared I, I think there might not have even been um metal detection um, no probably not is my guess. yeah yeah and it's i mean it's at, at this point it's it's hard to verify these sort of these things right at the beginning but it seems like there wasn't much security um, somebody rushed up on stage and people reported that they thought he was punching Salman Rushdie. Um, but as it turns out, he was stabbing him um, and he was yeah. airlifted to to the hospital um, where he spent several hours in surgery. So we don't 100 percent know about, you know, how is this uh, episode going to end? And I, you know, I hope uh, he is. I mean, as healthy as he can possibly be, given that you know, at his age, he's how old uh, is he? Do you know exactly? Um, I mean, his. I know that at Satanic Verses, when the initial um, episode happened, he was already like middle aged. Okay, um, so he's got to be. He's in his seventies at least. Is he eighty? Yeah, he might be um, close to eighty. Yeah, seventy-five. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so seventy-five-year-old man. Um, uh, attacked in this way, spending this much time in the hospital, losing, you know, having nerve, nerve damage, liver damage. Um, I hope he, hope he, ha- I know that he will have a lot of support, um, at least, but it is, you know, one of those things that I, I had a hard time mustering any kind of uh, response to it yesterday. I felt like I was just in a daze when it happened and, you know, all these people were tweeting all kinds of, you know, rah-rah like statements about how we have to stand up for freedom of expression and stand behind Salman Rushdie and all this stuff. And I, I just, maybe I've just been doing this for too long or that this is just um, affecting me too much in terms of, you know, just, um, you know, just, just how I feel about, about what this means for our society, for our culture, um, uh, that I couldn't, I couldn't manage that, you know, I couldn't, I, it felt forced. And, um, so I, I, I've been mostly silent in terms of a response to this. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's expected of me because I'm a prominent ex-Muslim that I'm, um, pretty, uh, I've been pretty active in terms of advocating for freedom of speech and expression. I think that like, obviously that's a, it's a very important, you know, cornerstone value. Um, One of the reasons that I've been so angry with this woke left has been because I think that they're unable to, um, uh, you know, uh, understand even the importance of these values and they are and 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 so much of how they approach 
our culture, um, so much of how they think about what we should do uh, presumes that we don't need this. And if anything, that something like freedom of speech is a, a suspicious um, well, that it's like and... a dog whistle for fascism or something. And, it's, you like, know, it says so much about, yeah, phrase, right. so. I mean, if, uh, they they joke about it and call it freeze peach. <laughs> I remember that they used to do that Really? A Wait, yeah. what? What is freeze, freeze peach? Peach, yeah, Are we like going to talk about joking... peaches again? We talked about peaches this, last week. <laughs> yeah, this was, I, I mean, it, 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 was, it was so much that it just, it just, it's a value that doesn't mean anything to them. And I think a big part of why it means nothing is because they have so much of it. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a privilege thing to never have to think about freedom of speech at all. And in fact, to be so privileged to have so much of it that you can only ever see the harmful aspects like to your feelings or whatever, you know, you can only see the fact that people are saying things that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that in itself shows um, how far we have come in terms of progress in, in our society. And that's a wonderful thing. But obviously, we have to find a way to help people recognize what it is that they have going for them and why it is still important to to uphold. Um, because it's, you know, there's been a couple of public opinion type polls that have come out over the course of you know the last decades or so um and they seem to find that younger people don't really value freedom of speech as much as um an older cohort so what gen x might feel about freedom of speech versus what a millennial feels about it right um appears to be different um uh and in in my view fairly um fairly frightening um and then there's uh what uh, I I, re- I was reading Barry Weiss's um, piece on her on her Substack recently, um, or j- just right before actually we we just started to record. I was reading a little bit of it, and she, um, you know, makes that connection that there there is actually a relationship between people who think that words are violence, and th- these are two these are two different kinds of people who agree on that premise. Um, Mm-hmm. you know that that words can be harmful and they can be you know even even they can be a form of violence um you know i might even go further than her i've said before that i think that the reason this scares me so much um you know the, the idea that words can be a violence is that that is that is something you need to hold right before you then say um that violence is a legitimate response to words you know if it is in fact violence words are violence then when you've um you know when you've said these when you've uh, participated in hate speech or whatever mm-hmm. you have um it's it's a form of force right it's a it's shot a, over um, the bow right and then and then you can and then it is permissible it is legitimate in some ways to respond to it by violence right right um so this is it's a it's a it's an important thing never to grant <laughs> that you know that we have in our liberal society this distinction um, and that distinction is that that in itself is the foundation of our civil civil society. You know, without it, we have uh, <laughs> without it, we have uh, mobs that can easily ruin the lives of people. Uh, without it, we have um, uh, you know we're running a, a kind of blasphemy law, right? Not. Um, a legal blasphemy law, but in de facto of mm-hmm. blasphemy law, if people are, um, if people think that it's somehow acceptable 
to respond to to words by physical force. Um, yeah. yeah it, Although I want to ask you, because I think initially there was some effort by some people on social media, people who are very critical of the woke left, to somehow make a direct connection between this attack and the woke left. And in fact, it's it, it's it's a similar phenomenon. Like what she's saying is that there are now people on the extreme left who are as censorious and anti-free speech as radical extremists, radical, ex- you know, extreme Islamic extremists. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is a point to be made. But is there, Sarah, like a way of looking at what's happened and seeing it as anything more than just an extension of this fatwa that was issued, what, 30 years ago now by the Ayatollah, who's now dead? I mean, actually, I think maybe we should go back and just explain what exactly happened, how this entire situation got set up, because I'm sure most of our listeners know, but probably some of them don't. If you're under a certain age, you probably have no idea of the history of this. So do you want to just kind of maybe take us through that quickly? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, even I, so I was born after the Satanic Verses um, was published. That's amazing. It was amazing. published in 1988. I'm about um, to say so- where I was at that time, but that would be saying how old I am. So I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Yeah. So there, I mean, even, uh, you know, there are people who are, there are lots of middle-aged people now who were too young to understand really what this affair, the, the, the Salman Rushdie satanic versus affair um, was, um, what happened and why it was such, um, you know, a shock to the, just, I mean, the literary, literary community in particular, but really just to the entire like intelligentsia. Yeah. Um, the, the cultural sphere yes yeah i mean so salman rushdie um he is indian born um he's born in i think i believe mumbai um to a muslim family um and he you know a lot of his experience has been uh you know within the indian subcontinent and experiencing sort of uh the waning british influence um he moved to the uk uh when he was a teenager and he, he he's been you know writing for quite some time. But the Satanic Verses, um, the book itself, um, is a novel. Um, it's described as uh, what did you say, Megan? Magical realism. Well, it's a lot of things. I, I mean, he's yeah. always has a, a. I mean, he's a maximalist for sure. But the, yeah, there are elements of. Um, sort of speculative fiction there's you know um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez was a huge influence on him so yeah there is this kind of magical realist quality especially when it comes to the actual um, blasphemy that he's being accused of I mean we're going to get to this in a second but that Mm -hmm. that occurs in the context of a sort of fever dream of this character Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so the book the novel is written in an interesting way I actually never finished it Um, I had a hard time going through it Um, but I but I know uh, about the plot and what happens. Um, there were dream sequences, and uh, there were quite a bit. And I, I do remember this from when I actually tried to read it. Um, there were many. <laughs> um, and look, here's the thing: it's very long. Um, it's, it's a certain it kind of TLDR. style. It's a certain kind of style. It doesn't appeal to me that style of writing. It's not. Uh, I'm an I'm a nonfiction reader. I don't really read a lot of fiction. When I do read a lot of when I do read fiction, I want it to be 
of a very different kind of style. Like funny? Or what do you what kind of fiction uh, do you like to read? Are you saying you like to read like romance novels only? No. Um <laughs> like sort okay. of I'm trying to think of what I but I, I like um if we're thinking classic if we're thinking literature, I like I like Hemingway, you know, I like uh, Okay. Okay. That's that's yeah. extremely respectable. So not okay, you like Hemingway and not Faulkner. Because if you liked Faulkner, yes. you would like Rushdie more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're you're minimalist. Yes, yes, um, it, yeah. So that 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 was sort of I was all I when I, even when I was trying to read it, it was because uh, I'm so close to the subject that I felt like I had to read it. Um, but there, there, even the the characters in in the the book are named in these like really interesting ways that that um, presumably have something to do with uh, the kind of character he he wants them to allude to. Um, but they refer to all these religious figures or figures um, important in Islamic religious history. Um, there's somebody who's uh, ha- who is a fictionalized portrayal of Prophet Muhammad uh, with the more very offensive name Mahound. Um, oh, why is the- why is that offensive? Mahound. Um, I believe it was the way that Christians used to refer to the prophet. Um, way back in the day and it was kind of an insult um uh you know like i don't know if they meant necessarily meant to refer to the fact that it it looks like the word hound um like ma hound um okay but it it it's a it's offensive apparently and it's It's but it's one of these things again where the character i can't remember exactly but the character is referring to himself this way like it's well right not the author (laughs) condemning well the the, the prophet this word this character who is a fictionalized portrayal of the prophet, he's portrayed as just this dishonest, uh, um, cynical person. But he's not even a real um, character in the book. He's like a figment of another character's imagination. If I'm remembering this right. Yeah, it was a dream. It was part of a dream. Yeah, suite. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then it's I very, woke up. It should be right. fine. It should it should be fine. But it's it's um. See, here's the thing. These people, they don't really they're they're not really interested in the details. They're not of, nuanced. Are of, you saying that radical <laughs> extremists are not nuanced, Sarah? That's yeah. very, that's very generalizing and hateful of you. There was another, I think it was another dream sequence maybe, but there was another, there was another scene um, where there was a, a brothel in which all the, the, the prostitutes bore the name of, of uh, the prophet Muhammad's wives Okay. Um, which is, you know, so so there there's quite a bit in the book where it it, it was it, it was, you can see how a religious person might get offended by it, but mm-hmm. but um, never in uh, you know modern Western history had a book prompted this kind of response um, from you know citizens of the West, um, and this was at a time when there was uh, you know quite a bit of tension. I mean, that still this, this this tension still exists of uh, Muslim minorities. Uh, that are increasingly, uh, you know, significant um, minorities. Uh, large percentages of so- certain parts of of the West, um, uh, and uh, there was um, it, it was indicative of of the tensions that have been brewing for some time. Um, Muslims were very offended, um, and uh, there was a fatwa on. Uh, 
I mean, I, I, well, I should should I should I explain about the the Ayatollah or is that that's yeah. Well, uh, I was going to say because this like when did the Shah regime go down? I mean, this was a time when in I- Iran was going from being a secular, uh, pretty in places cosmopolitan uh, society to really really going backwards. Yeah, yeah. So with the Khomeini. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the Ayatollah um, Khomeini. Um, he had been uh, building a new Iran, um, uh, and I think I think the revolution was about ten years before okay, the right. uh, the publishing of the of the book. Um, but it was still it was still fairly new, and um, it is speculated by some that part of the reason that he even issued this this fatwa was to to kind of make a name for himself, right? To mm-hmm. to say that to to to. St- strike out as you know a religious authority on his own and um i don't know how i assume most people listening to this will be aware but iran is shia um not sunni which the majority of muslims are sunni um you know saudi is a majority sunni country um uh egypt is majority sunni uh but iran is shia um and Shias historically have been more tolerant <laughs> to mm-hmm. blasphemy in general. Um, some of it might just be the fact that Shias are a minority. I, I come from a Shia background. Um, that Shias have always been a minority. Minorities tend to be more tolerant. In Iran, things look different. Um, and it, definitely it seemed like from the point of the Islamic revolution in Iran, when, when suddenly there was a state that was kind of, that was a theocracy really, um, that they were trying to make, uh, the Ayatollah specifically wanted to make a name for himself, uh, as a, as a leader of the Islamic world in general, not just of Islamic, uh, not just of Shias. And there was kind of a, uh, you know, uh, uh, proving himself mm-hmm. kind of thing. So the, so he, he, um, issued a fatwa and, and what uh, does that mean he, exactly? Like, yeah, sorry. Just like, hey, I mean, everybody, it, if you can get this guy, you get this prize. How does it work? Uh, so he specifically said um, that uh, that this text uh, th- that was published against Islam, uh, the Prophet of Islam and, and the Quran, and all of the editors and publishers... Um, that are aware of its contents are condemned to death. And he called on Muslims. He said specifically, I call on all valiant Muslims, wherever they may be in the world, to kill them without delay so that no one dare insult the sacred beliefs of Muslims henceforth. Mm-hmm. Um, and the consequences of this were, uh, of course, um, incredible uh, in immediate um rushdi went into hiding and it was i think that the 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 initial reaction to it was uh the the secular reaction i guess we should call um was fairly unified in condemning the fatwa um later it, it was more confused um there were some people even back then who felt that maybe Rushdie shouldn't have done what he did? Um, so the reactions of it to it um, were not as as um, <laughs> principled as as we would have liked. Um, there were there were several prominent people, um, especially in in the UK, who 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 voiced their opinion that Rushdie. 
himself brought it upon himself in some way. Um, so among authors, there was Roald Dahl. He called Rushdie's book sensationalist and Rushdie himself a dangerous opportunist. Um, mm-hmm. The Archbishop of Canterbury demanded that the government um, expand the Blasphemy Act to cover other religions, including Islam. And it should be said that that at the time, it, it UK did have this this kind of longstanding blasphemy uh, act in place. It was not utilized um, in modern times at all, but it was just one of those uh, laws that existed in the books. So some Muslims did say, hey, wait a minute, it is, you do have a blasphemy law. It does cover other religions. Um, we wanted to expand to cover uh, Islam as well. Uh, and the Archbishop of Canterbury seemed to agree. Um, and uh, uh, the, if, as, as far as uh, the United States, Jimmy Carter was um, a prominent voice who, you know, he sort of wishy-washy said that, well, of course, of course, of course, I condemned the, the threats himself. He said, but he said... Um, uh, quote, we have tended to promote him, him being Rushdie, and his book with little acknowledgement that it is a direct insult to those millions of Muslims whose sacred beliefs have been violated and are suffering in restrained silence, the added embarrassment of the Ayatollah's irresponsibility. The author, a well-versed analyst of Muslim beliefs, must have anticipated a horrified reaction throughout the Islamic world. Um he and 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 Jimmy Carter said that he saw a need to be sensitive to the concern and anger of Muslims. Mm, wow. Um, so you know, the, and there was a lot of this actually. There were there were there were quite a few voices at the time that um, seemed to feel that 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 maybe we should take. And I think that I'm trying to understand how this could happen. And I think part of the reason might be just that the the reaction was just so bad and it seemed to come out of nowhere. And I think that the, the, the common sense uh, approach might be for some people to think, wait a minute, if they are that offended, (laughs) if, if there are protests happening all over the world in which, you know, dozens of people are, are, dying and, and hundreds are, are getting injured mm-hmm. if there are you know uh, people burning the books um, all over the world and all these demonstrations um, uh, uh, of book burnings if uh, people are being killed and targeted then clearly something is, there there has been there must be a something grave to it. yep right there, there something provoked it um, and and maybe that right. thing was worse than we thought. Um, within the, the the few years following uh, the publication of the book, there were multiple attacks on translators and publishers. There were book bombings uh, or uh, bookstore bombings. Um, many of people them, who had actually. specifically translated this book, right? We should just yeah. say, not, and, the, and then yeah. So the, the, so there there the, the specific, there was yeah. bombings of stores that carried it. Then there were attacks on translators right. and publishers. There was the murder of the Japanese translator um, Hitoshi Igarashi. There was um, and and from from what I recall about that specifically, he was a professor um, who specialized in in you know. Islam, Middle East, um, Iran, uh, had spent some time mm-hmm. in Iran. Um, he translated this book. There were some threats that were made, um, uh, you know, prior to them, uh, prior to the the, the attack. Um, and he was uh, repeatedly stabbed, I, I believe, in the face um, and left for dead. Mm-hmm. There was the stabbing of the Italian um, translator. Um, there was the attempted murder of the Turkish translator, Aziz Nesin. There was the shooting of 
William Nygaard, the Norwegian publisher. And the, the interesting thing about that bit was that the Norwegian police refused to treat the shooting of of um, Nygaard as an assassination attempt or even to investigate it as if it was investigated whether it was motivated by the satanic verses until um, 25 years later. <laughs> and that's... Why? So it, it, because of like political correctness at that time? Well, it was just... It's hard to know. I don't know. You know, uh, I've tried wow. to, to to see how they justified it. It seems that it was just that the issue was extremely sensitive at the time, and there was a there was just a lot of social tension, uh, and uh, yeah, charges were only brought uh, against the suspected attacker uh, many years later. It's unclear as to as to 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 what actually was brought into whom and everything. But uh, I, I thought right. I would note that because it's. Um, it's insane. Um, yeah. Rushdie tried to say, "Hey, I'm I'm sorry if I hurt anybody," um, and <laughs> uh, and you know, I mean, uh. clearly he didn't expect this, and he said this several times that he didn't expect this to happen. Um, no, he saw it as kind of a satire. I mean, I think he saw the book as like very sort of arch. Yes, and yes, and and I think it is still. Um, I think it's banned in India, still. Mm, oh really? Mm -hmm. Which seems to hurt him specifically quite a bit because mm -hmm. that's where he's from, <laughs> and well, he has a yeah. know, close relationship with India. And um, anyway, the fatwa is still in place to this day. Um, so obviously, it comes back around to uh, how much this, you know this specific stabbing had to do with with the fatwa. Obviously, a lot. Um, there are many people who talk about Islam, who talk critically about Islam, but something like this, you know, the Ayatollah singling somebody out and saying that this is, it, it, you know, at me as my, as a religious leader, I'm making it clear to you that, that uh, this is something that is, uh, that valiant Muslims should, should engage in um, to defend their faith. Um, of course, it put a, a target on his head that he has never uh, been able to really, um, uh, walk past. And when this happened, I, I think he was starting to relax in his own security. No, he's um, been relaxed for a long time. I feel like it's, I mean, it yeah. hasn't even been an issue. He's been very public person. I mean, he's been, he's a celebrity. He's yes, a socialite yes. and a celebrity and he's yes. in public. Yes. Which in itself, you know, it, and that indicated that he was, he was feeling comfortable. The culture was feeling comfortable with him around because one of the things that I've noticed that when you become, when when people think that you might be attacked, um, they're less likely to uh, invite you to things to want book, to relate book with you, you at right? their venue. Yes, I mean, yeah, but it also it just seems there's a victim blaming kind of a thing going on, even if it's not e explicit. I think it implicitly happens. Um, I've seen it, you know, in the back end working with ex-Muslims and trying to get them booked in places where people didn't seem to care why this person was. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, under threat, um, just that they were dangerous and, uh, and, and they couldn't have them around, um, and not willing to make a lot of accommodations. Um, and I, you know, I understand it, but it's also, uh, it's also one of those things that just, you just become toxic. Nobody wants to potentially hurt, you know, you know, uh, be involved in one of these scenarios. Um, I, when I first, first got on the scene, and started talking about this stuff um, and founded my nonprofit and was beginning to more be more public. Um, the ex-Muslim movement wasn't really a thing. The 
even the even the the term ex-Muslim wasn't very common. I and no one really applied it to themselves, and you know, including like people like Ayan Hirsi who's a very prominent ex-Muslim. She didn't use that mm-hmm. word until more recently. Um, uh, so it, it wasn't really much of a thing, and people were really uh, nervous about being with me. Um, I remember there were there were some events where we would have the other guests on webcam because they just privately they would say, "Look, I I don't want to do this. I don't want to be on stage with her." Um, oh, you were, mean not the targeted people themselves? The targeted people were on stage, but the other people didn't, didn't want to be on stage with, on them. Stage with wow. them. Wow! Right. Um, so they're the cowards. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 cowardice, but it's also like, were they gauging something real? It's hard to know because um, there's so many, so few people that are speaking about this, and there's so much of it is random. You know, you you, you the the wrong person hears that you're in town. Um, right. And is in the right mental state to do something about this, um, so it's hard to gauge risk. Um, it definitely made me feel like I was toxic um, when I was in panels with other people. Um, there would be all kinds of security, and you know, I I remember I do I did this panel with Spiked. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't. I, the, I haven't the done. British, we should. That's the British um, uh, magazine, kind mm-hmm. of centristy, center right. Yeah. Yeah, they used to be like left and then they became yeah, kind of right, yeah, whatever, exactly. anti-woke, I don't know. <laughs> um, they did this uh, tour, uh, unsafe speech tour, and they, they went to different campuses. Yes, and... I saw them. I, uh, I, oh, you did? I believe I went to an event of theirs at mm-hmm. NYU Law School. Yeah, it was it was very cool. I, I, I you know, I was really excited to be a part of this. And I, I did, at that time, I wasn't getting invited by too many people outside of this atheist secular space. So it was a unique experience for me. And then I show up and there's all these people, um, like a room full of police. I mean, just so many. Wow. I didn't understand it. And, and everybody was going through metal detectors, like all these, like it was, it was a very extensive operation. And I thought, my first thought was, oh, wow, it's like somebody, one of these other panelists must be like a real big <laughs> deal. Like there, something is happening, you know. I didn't, I didn't think it was me um, until it became obvious that it was, it was me that they were worried about. And it was, they were really worried about that I might endanger the other panelists as How well. How did like, you with feel my about that? <sighs> I mean, it just, it, it doesn't. Were you no. flattered or mm. were you embarrassed? Embarrassed. Or? I was embarrassed. I felt like I was, you know, like, like, like one, how one might feel when they're like infected or something, you know, like that I'm a danger to others. Um, yeah, I was embarrassed. Is that because you're a woman? You felt, <laughs> see, I wonder if this is gendered. Yeah. And it was, it was weird because we actually had protesters that were pretty loud and they almost shut down the event, but there were Black Lives wow. Matter show t- protesters and they were really there because of Camille Foster <laughs> and they were, they were mad. <laughs> so we but actually they, had, yeah, yeah but, it, but it, it had nothing to do with me, but everyone, you know, was it, when they were setting up the event, the person that they were concerned about was, um, was me. And yeah, who you I like, step aside, forth. Camille. They actually had to have metal detectors because <laughs> of me. Your, your, your Black Lives Matter protesters are just small potatoes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then afterwards, after the event, they just said, you know, 
you can I wanted to linger and talk to people. There were all these interesting people that had 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 shown up for the event as well. And I wanted to talk to some of them. And some of the protesters, we had invited them in to stay and listen. And it was really rowdy kind of crowd. But I wanted to continue to talk. And the police were like, um, or the security, whatever they were, they were like, um, no, <laughs> you're leaving immediately. Um, and they just shuffled me off the stage. And that's happened to me many times where I've just been like shuffled off of the stage very quickly and then taken away very quickly and not allowed to like linger, you know, uh, talk to other wow. people. And, you know, I'm nobody, right? I'm nobody. I, I don't, I'm not a famous person. Um, so it was always so bizarre to be treated this way. And then, and then to not know whether it was an irrational reaction or, or, or what, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can't gauge risk, um, in any reasonable, what what do you measure it by? You know, you measure it by these kinds of things, like the the, the stabbing of a prominent, you know, right. uh, uh, figure accused of blasphemy. Do you think that? Sorry to interrupt you, but do you think they would have, as a woman, do you think you had any greater level of safety because it would have been a bad look to run up on stage and attack a woman, or is that irrelevant in this scenario? Um, I think technically, technically, so, so, so there, just background, um, I mean, information, there are many people who believe that apostasy itself is punishable by death, you know, so not just, there's this specific blasphemy where you're, where you're saying something, uh, uh, that is considered blasphemous, um, and then there's just the act of apostasy. Just, just, just say, look, I was a Muslim. I no longer believe. And there are some percentage of people that think that that in itself is a crime. Um, there are around a dozen countries or so that that still think that is a crime punishable by death. So that's the background of, you know, who I am, and then and then why me saying. I'm the, you know, co-founder of ex-Muslims of North America. <laughs> We're a whole organization that talks, you know, stands mm-hmm. for the rights of, of, of mm-hmm. apostates. Why that was just an inherently dangerous thing. Um, the specifics, though, um, I don't know if they actually matter, but generally, they the the, the treatment of female apostates are, is is a little bit. Um, uh, gentler, I guess it's like life in prison or whatever. Like, but we're give. I think we're given an opportunity to recant the apostasy um, uh, before so they measures are taken. Taken you away because I, I just, don't think. I, feel like I don't think so. They, I running think, up on stage and killing a woman on a stage just seems. Uh, I think they re- would really they still would. bad optics. Yeah, okay. I think they still would. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I don't think that these guys are. So they're not sexist. They're, they're not really. Saying. They're actually they're actually egalitarian that way. Right. They're not reading into the details of this thing. And the other thing is that it's just it's not um, simply the fact that I'm. I mean, it, it's not just. It wouldn't just necessarily be me that they might target. Um, everyone that's involved in hosting me and <laughs> lifting right. me up and giving me that stage is uh, themselves. They've they've taken part of, of right. this act that, that must not be allowed. Um, I don't think they're, I don't think they're that careful. I don't, I don't think they're, they're worried about hurting a woman very much. Um, I think they absolutely would kill me if they could. Um, mm. and you know, I, I had begun to feel, and now it seems silly saying it, but I, I had started to feel as if things were getting better. There were so many more ex-Muslims very publicly and, and, you know, talking about Islam, criticizing Islam, 
um, even mocking it. And, and it seemed as if maybe something had changed. Um, uh, but I guess, um, there are enough people out there who, for whom nothing has changed. Do you feel unsafe just walking around? Um, my lack of fame, I think, shields me quite a bit. Okay, um, well, but this podcast is going to change that. Right. I mean, and that's one of those things that, you know, and I, I, I was always in the back of my head. It was, okay, if I'm successful, you know, if I'm, <laughs> if I, if I'm successful, I'm actually going to be in more danger. <laughs> Not just in the way yeah. that all famous people are kind of in danger all the time, but that, that there was, there was a special danger for me yeah. in, in becoming this public spokesperson for, for this group of people. Um, and, it, f- you know, for this reason, we've had a very hard time. <laughs> we've had a very hard time uh, getting other people to, to also become like public spokespersons, you know, and, and there are many, many people who are willing to work behind the scenes for the mm-hmm. ex-Muslim cause. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many people who are willing to be, you know, anonymous volunteers to give in tons of time, you know, uh, energies, uh, resources um, to ex-Muslims, but very few who are willing to say, here's my face and here's my name. Um, right. So how do you think this event is going to change the dialogue around Muslims as um, as a protected class, just culturally? Like how is just, you know, in, in shorthand, how is the woke left going to respond to this? They're not going to respond to it. They're not even going to acknowledge that it happened. If they do acknowledge it, they'll say, you know, but of course, violence is bad. And Words know, are we, violence. Having absolutely no idea anything about no, probably I, Salman Rushdie himself, let alone this particular right. novel. I, I, I think this will change nothing. And that's part of why I had a hard time saying anything about it you know like what is there to be said that hasn't been said a hundred times and you know if those words didn't work then why would they work now right and this guy i think he's 24 years old this guy who's been arrested do you imagine that he was radicalized online like how does he what what is his life like how does he compare to some white nationalist who's hanging out on reddit getting ideas about blowing up certain right. synagogues yeah. or I mean, whatever it is. It's hard to, obviously we don't know anything about this guy yet. Right. It's, it's very, very um, early. Um, but I don't think it's um, uh, insane to presume that of course, online rac- ra- radicalization had a lot to do with it. Um, this is just, I mean, this is the, the rub of, of online spaces that they allow everyone they allow ex-muslims a place to congregate if it wasn't for the internet there would be no way that ex-muslims could come together the way that we have because so Mm -hmm. many of us are um, underground so many of us are closeted even in the west tons of people are closeted they don't talk about their lack of faith Um, uh, and the internet allows us to have a meeting ground of sorts you know or an initial place where we can vet people and you know find people and then and then build up on that um but the same you know the same mechanisms that allow for you know uh, the sort of blasphemous content to be shared that allow for you know arabic translations of richard dawkins god delusion to spread Mm. widely across the muslim world um are the ones that empower these guys right 
Right. Well, I did notice that the ACLU, uh, the American Civil Liberties Union, which really uh, exists to defend speech. Uh, am I am I right about that? That's absolutely in the uh, in the wheelhouse of this mm-hmm. organization. Uh, if not, if 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 this kind of event uh, is not made for them to have something to say about, I don't know what is. I'm looking at their timeline on Twitter. Uh, and let's see, there's a there's a tweet about the Supreme Court abortion rights. Um, there's a tweet about uh, student loan payments and Biden administration. Uh, and then we have um, uh, a bunch of tweets about transgender rights, um, including some tweets about uh, health care, Inflation Reduction Act uh makes critical investments in healthcare that will ensure millions of Americans able to exercise their civil liberties, um, including people with disabilities, low-income black and brown communities. Yeah. Um, not a single thing about this enormous event. Yeah. Not and, one tweet. Yeah. And no, Nothing no on press, no press release, no statement right. so far. Um, maybe they will come get, you know, uh, uh, managed to put together one muster up some defense. I mean, it seems like it I would mean, be maybe so... when they're back in the office yeah. on Monday. Right. It feels like it would be so easy to just just put together a couple of sentences and say we we condemn what happened and we support free freedom of speech. Um. But I, the ACLU is. Uh, I'm I'm so glad that Fire has expanded um, from the the what was the foundation of individual the rights and education of, indi- to yes for, yes to uh, foundation of in, in individual rights and expression. Um, and I'm I'm so glad that they're they are around because it it feels like uh, the ACLU has radically transformed into an embarrassment. Um, you know, it doesn't even, yeah. it, it, it's, it's as if they're not even tr- attempting to, you know, to, to, to have the, the whiff of nonpartisanship around them. No, they're actually, I guess we should give them credit. They're not, they're not even, they're not uh, faking masquerading it. As, right. as, they're not faking it. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're owning it. Yeah. Um, but they should really change the name of their organization to the, um, the JK Rowling anti, anti defamation league or something. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. I I want to move to to lighter topics because I'm just you want to move to lighter topics. I'm um, like, yeah, <laughs> uh, what else did we have? Porn. Uh, I don't know. Um, some of our our commenters had some interesting uh, things to ask us and say um, that maybe we should we should address those. Um, and actually one of them brought up a, a kind of interesting paradox. I think this was somebody on Twitter because we were talking last time, we were talking about the conversation with Louise Perry, who's uh, written this book, The Case Against the Sexual Revolution, Revolution, and she was on Barry Weiss's podcast with Jill Filipovich. And talking, you know, there was this point made that that s- the culture is just overrun with pornography and sexual images everywhere and sort of hypersexuality, hookup culture. Um, and then at the same time, there's data showing that young people are not having sex. So how do you square those two things? Um, it's not something that we actually addressed in our conversation. So I wonder if you had any thoughts about that. Um, I mean, why would they, uh, you know, why would they necessarily have anything to do with each other, right? I mean, 
Well, I mean, the idea being that if there's so much pressure to have sex, so how can we say, oh, there's so much, we're saying two different things. Everybody's having sex and they're they're not liking it and they're what they can't have sex without watching porn and yet nobody's having sex. So, okay. Oh, yeah. I see. Um, Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I can see how there's that confusion, but I, I think that, that both of those things can be true at the same time, that, mm-hmm. that people are both having less sex in general. And also when they are having sex, they're feeling pressured to, to participate in a way that, that um, might not be super healthy. And I actually think they have something to do with each other. I think that there's, yeah. there's um, sex has become such a strange thing. And the fact that there are no rules um, you know, there are no, aside from cons- consent, um, that there, that there is, um, this, this pressure to, to be open and, and participating and, and, uh, into all kinds of, uh, yeah. you know, different games, good giving and game. Right. Yes. Right. That's, <laughs> that's what I was getting, getting at, but the Dan Savageism. Right. But it, it, there's so much pressure to, to be that person. And if you're not that person, you're a prude. I mean, I can see how, this leads to more anxiety around sex in general. Um, right. You know, in, in addition to all the other ways that, that people are just engaging less with each other, um, the online world has a lot to do with it. Um, right. And also people, the people who have most sex, the most sex are people in relationships who are people in committed relationships, people who are married, right. have longtime partners. So th- it would make sense, I guess. Um that there's just a there's just a big discrepancy. Although I noticed, I want to talk about another another tweet, uh, tweeting dialogue that you kicked off this week. But did you also make a tweet asking people about like how often they had been like had physical contact <laughs> with other people <laughs> and divided by generation? Of course, anything with generational divides, I I love. That's I'm all over that. So, um, what was yeah. the what was the um, question you were asking? Yeah, I, I I do these kinds of these polls all the time. If people aren't familiar, is this with why my you Twitter banned yourself my... from Twitter this week? <laughs> you banned yourself. You told me five I... times that you weren't going to be on it, and Ye... that I should text you if I need to reach well... you. And then you were, and then I saw you tweeting like five <laughs> so minutes I, later. I had all this work, and I was trying to do it, and then and then I I um. I had like excuses for getting back onto Twitter, like to respond to somebody who, you know, for work. And then I got back into it and then I, I, it just sucked mm-hmm. me in. And then mm-hmm. I, I did, I did successfully though, stay away for, for like the better part of a day. So I, I feel good about that. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Um, <coughs> yeah, my, so my Twitter feed is pretty, I, I ask questions like this all the time. I love the Twitter polls. I don't know why people don't use polls. Just ask you know, fun questions. Because I don't want to um, be, I, you know why I don't do it? Because I don't want people to like see that I don't have very many followers. If, like if the, if only like 70 people responded to the poll. Oh, no, like, no, 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 no. So people, oh, no, no, no. So, pe- it, so the poll usually gets seen by more people than your followers. Um, just if there other people are liking and engaging with it. And yeah. even if you get a couple hundred responses, it's sometimes it's uh, That's, very, very yeah. interesting. Um, okay. I should one day do like a greatest hits of my polls. Cause I've, I've, I've had some <laughs> weird ones. 
um over the years uh that's a good book that's a good you get a book contract if we were back in the shit my dad says era, <laughs> you would get a book contract for hundreds of thousands of dollars for your polls yeah so my poll this this last poll that you're that you're referring to was um i asked him two questions i said are you over are you 35 or over or under 35 and do you feel you receive sufficient physical affection and contact from other humans um mm-hmm. and i just wanted to see if there was a distinction now no, the one caveat is just that that people older people are maybe more likely to be in relation long-term relationships in general or just have and this was just general human context right so so maybe they they, they just have kids and the kids are all over them and that's oh, this wasn't sexual yeah. contact necessarily it, it wasn't it was just physical affection and contact hugs anything you know right right and um the first one i asked about age the second one i asked uh, the same physical contact question but 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 now asking them whether they're male or female and i found mm-hmm. um the first one had like 4400 votes which is pretty good given that i'm kind of shut up wow now. um uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna get to that too <laughs> um uh and and uh, people said thirty three percent of people who are under thirty five um, said no. Um, uh, the, that they did not have enough physical contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a big so under under thirty five, the no's were about thirty three. The yes was twenty one. Uh, that they got sufficient. Thirty three was no. I did not. I do not have sufficient physical contact. And then the um, other people had enough. Which, uh, yeah. So the, the those over thirty five seemed to have. It was. It was pretty even the no's and the yeses 22 and 23 percent um so the under people seem to have there was a discrepancy there was uh, a larger proportion who don't feel like they receive enough sufficient physical affection Mm -hmm. or contact um which was sad (laughs) so the other thing is that like i mean you would almost think that young people are they're going out they're they have friends you know they're they're partying they're they're, going to cuddle parties right but but it i mean it's actually not intuitive to me necessarily that younger people don't get physical affection at all i mean unless they're leading very isolated lives but there seems to be an assumption that if you're not dating you're not getting regular physical affection you don't i mean you don't go to a bar with your friends and you know hug your friends and I mean, is oh, that, is that like, not something like that pitch happens guys in the ass? Like when you walk past them <laughs> at a bar stool, um, people don't, yeah. Well, you know, COVID changed all that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I wonder too, the pandemic, I mean, people don't do that like ritualized cheek kissing air hug thing that they always did at parties or when you see somebody as much, like mm-hmm, there's this mm-hmm. kind of, and I actually like that because I think this, the social kiss was like this, complete stressor because you never know like some people Where do it gonna once go some it. people do it twice some people don't do oh, it oh yeah 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 you know for me it's just um it was so bad because i have so many friends especially now like i started when i started getting into this like ex-muslim stuff i started having a lot more people that i'm engaging with who are like foreign nationals you know like arabs mm-hmm. or whatever and they have all these different norms they're like kissing three times and then it's a full kiss on yeah. the cheek or whatever and i i don't know what to do <laughs> Um, I like I think, a hug. Don't, I think Russians kiss four times. I There's don't want some... any kisses. I just want, I want a hug. No. Though. I do want a hug. Na- you, you do? Yeah. But, you don't want yeah, any hugs? So... Okay. So should I not hug you when I, like, when we, no, no, we eventually can. meet? I just, it's sort of like, oh, what is oh, the God, protocol? The if you said met it. somebody one time, but okay. But like, obviously I love a handshake. I love that because it's just straightforward. 
And that's, but that's usually just the first time you meet somebody. And then after that, it's like, oh, do we hug? Do we? Eh, yeah. I like hugs. I, so I am a physically affectionate person. I like affection. I, of course, I don't like people being creepy. I don't know that people don't have license to be creepy, but um, I like, I like touch, you know, and it, I think it's, I, I love a good hug from anyone. It's like, there's some people who are just very good huggers that like commit to the hug. You know, they're not doing oh. the side hug thing. Yeah. Know, kind of just like yeah. touching and very weird. They're just like, they go for it and they'll get a full hug. And I appreciate that. Okay. Um. Uh. Yeah. But I don't know if I can give those kinds of hugs yet. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a top notch hugger myself. Wait, wait, it wait, bothers wait, 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 wait. Me. You're saying that you like to receive the hug, but you can't give it. I can't. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm too in the moment of like, oh, what do they want? You know, <laughs> like, oh, you're and, a people and trying pleaser. to be, <laughs> and trying to like, the if patriarchy. they don't want me to touch them, I'm not going to touch them, you know, but there's been, I, I, there have been more times where I have went for a hug and the other person was like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> then the reverse. Um, if someone comes to me with mm. a hug, I'm always like willing to participate. Um, oh. but Maybe you should go to a cuddle party sometime e- and report back. Hmm. Or we could mm. do this podcast from a cuddle party. Oh my gosh, live like a from a live cuddle party. Event. That'll and be then... our first live event <laughs> at a cuddle party and jammies. You don't like hugs. Pajamas. You're not a hug. You're not gonna. Um, I it's a, no. I'm I'm from my my family was just not affectionate. I'm like a I'm a I'm a frosty wasp type. Okay, it's not really um, a wasp. I'm like a fr- I'm a frosty wasp from the Ozarks. We could uh, <laughs> we could fist bump. Um, oh, meet. the terrorist fist bump, you mean? <laughs> Some people will get that re- reference. No, I know. You know, there was the, the famous uh, New Yorker cover with Michelle and uh, Barack Obama doing the the fist bump. And this was, you know, they had, this was reacting to some, I don't know if it was some like talk radio DJ who was accusing Obama of doing the terrorist fist bump. And I noticed it was recirculating on on Twitter the other day with some social justice types like absolutely decrying this cover as if it was just the most horrible racist thing. Yeah, I don't understand. People are people um, have so much time. I don't, or yeah, just not or, enough or, real or, things to worry about. I guess. Well, um, I just the, yeah. The, I mean, this is another conversation, but um, yes, the the the, the art appreciation uh, is is a lost art. Okay, so speaking of that, you also had a tweet. That ruffled a lot of feathers. Okay. Oh wait. Hold on. Something... Hold on. One. One. Oh, yeah, one, sorry, one more thing. One more thing. The, the second. Okay, the second yeah. one. Just so people know, was about male and female. You know, and mm-hmm. if you're male, do you get enough? You get sufficient of physical affection, and men um, seem to get less of it. Surprise! Surprise! People uh, less physical affection. They felt they, they have, did not they receive only... sufficient right. physical affection because they can only get it from women like they're the yeah. guys are not gonna like straight guys are not gonna i mean they'll do the like the bro hug thing but they're not gonna like rub each other's shoulders you know I, affectionately I mean, okay, when the so other I'm guy is even, emoting okay sure yeah i i do do that why what were you gonna say i don't i don't rub people's shoulders like no all. i don't i hate that <laughs> i hate that. you know what i really hated so did you have this in school like i I remember being in elementary school and there was this thing where like the girl behind you would grab your hair and start braiding it. Oh yeah. I well, p- girls would just hated it. touch your hair in general. They had no boundaries. Yeah. There was a lot of hair touching. I had, I've always had a lot of hair touching. Um, I still have a lot of hair touching, especially when I think it's like because of your kind of hair. 
Well, yeah, if you know, sometimes depending on how I style it, but if I style it naturally, it's kind of huge. So people are interested uh-huh. in it. Um. <laughs> My hair is the opposite of huge. I mean, the absolute opposite. It, and but it would still when I I had long hair as a kid, and these girls they would just like oh, take it and they would braid and they would pick, like ribbon, and it was just like oh, it it's was like really it's embarrassing. Like the, it's like the you know the 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 the, the chimpanzees were like picking lice off of each other it's I would a gesture have preferred of- that they picked picked lice <laughs> i would have preferred it but you know what i was frozen i couldn't say anything it's this is, it, this is like it's like a sexual assault okay so like, this is why they were braiding my hair and it was i was i was so horrified i was just i was still i couldn't move my body i was frozen in time and actually you know i look back on it now and i realize that i'm a survivor of um, of that of of fifth grade gosh, hair man. braiding in the classroom and is that why you is that why your hair is short now so no one can ever braid it is this oh part God, of the trauma probably probably mm-hmm. yeah it's just, I'm protecting myself yeah I mean it's something I have to work through well, what can I say okay well and then uh, the other thing <laughs> the other dumb Twitter thread <laughs> I love how we're going from like a very serious and we have to because this was a this was a very nonsense. this is a very special special place in hell. Um, yeah, we need to lighten it up. Yeah, so you had a thing. I, I was like I'm not entirely sure what was going on with that. Yeah, with that I mean thread, it's just so, so listen, listen. It's Twitter. I don't take it very seriously. Um, I <laughs> you don't. Um, I think so. I think of my Twitter as because I'm not a you know. Uh, I mean, uh, aside from this, I guess now uh, I haven't really monetized my like public persona like i'm not a i'm I'm not somebody who ever you know i was just i had this other job like on the side and i'm I'm Mm -hmm. just doing this job and my twitter was just my twitter and it's there's there was never any reason to not be just playful with how i engage with people you know so i'm 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 always doing polls i'm always like thinking out loud um the bigger i get the more that gets me into trouble sometimes in that somebody will see it the wrong person will see it they'll retweet it to their dumb followers and and then there's something that happens where you you know i have my followers they know what to expect from me they've seen it they've seen me do things before um they have a a pleasant view of me i guess usually as a person um so they're likely to take something in a charitable way and then if it gets tweeted into someone else some other like space you know some other different right. zone and then right. and then it's just it's totally That's like exactly interpreted in the worst possible way people right. don't read it then you get then you get the um the ratio so yep. i got a fun little ratio this time i'm still getting it like i'm watching this thing uh, crawl it's fine i i'm muted have you I think been looking at it during this whole conversation no like, like <laughs> no i mean they're so like dumb it- the other responses are dumb um, I, I never get worked up about ratios. I can't remember the last time I got mad at a ratio. Um, mostly I think they're funny because usually by the time it gets to a ratio, it's just been so badly misinterpreted. It doesn't, it doesn't even feel like they're attacking me. Like who are they attacking? Who I don't, I don't, I don't know who this okay. person is. All right. Well, um, what was it about? What was it so about? It was about something that I, I and, and, and to, 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 to start. So I, I probably didn't phrase this all exactly in a way that people would interpret it perfectly so i i probably could have done something better about how i framed the discussion but the thing i wanted to cover was um 
TV friendships and how unbelievable they can be sometimes if characters really don't seem to fit, you know, and by fit, I meant like people who just have widely different physical appearances, um, like their, their body type, their like, like general coloring. and the other's ugly. That's what <laughs> you were saying. Well, that that's how it was saying. interpreted by everyone, even though I never, you know, I did, I touched on attractiveness um, later on in my thread. Um, but I just meant like, uh, you know, if you have, I, I, I came up um, with this when I was watching Glow. I really like Glow. It's a great show. Um, there's, it's about two friends, and w- towards the end of like the last episode, there's a scene where they're looking at each other, and I've always sort of felt like, how are these girls friends? You know, like I guess they're just they were doing the acting thing together, whatever. There's this backstory, but it, it, it always sort of made me feel like, huh, like it. There had to be some some situation that has some some artificial reason that they were forced together for a while mm-hmm. you know so that they became friends because they were different in personality quite a bit in okay. values okay. you know like they like like one of them wants to be an actress so the other is a lot more pragmatic uh one is like successful in everything she does easily the other isn't and and then they they also look different but on top of that, they okay. dress very differently. Like one is like this glamour puss type person, big hair, big, you know, like lots of makeup and furs well, and all blonde. this stuff. Yeah. And then, and then tall, busty blonde. And the other one wears like hiking gear all the time and no makeup and Lesbian? all this stuff. <laughs> They're, they are both straight. Um, okay. So it's, of course, relationships like this exist, right? Okay. I understand that. I have also many relationships with people who don't look like me. That I understand this, people. Um, I don't what look I, like you. I'm a <laughs> that's tall, true. Bl- busty, blonde Amazon with short with short hair. Man, I wish I was a. I wish I was this body type. That I mean, anyway, whatever. But you thought um, I was tall, actually. So you thought I was that, but yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, sorry. Didn't, uh, make, didn't but, mean to make it about me. Okay, go ahead. So I was just. It was just a, just a general discussion on how sometimes like groups of friends can maybe strike somebody as like believable or not believable. And maybe that has something to do with how we tend to self segregate when we, we meet different people or meet new people in general. Um, I found mm-hmm. some interesting research actually found there's a ton of research on this specifically about how friend groups form and like, you know, tall people tend to hang out with other tall people, short people. And it's, it's weird, but that, that happens. Mm. Um, but then there's, there's this research um, and I don't, I'm not qualified to, to, to comment on how great this, this research is, but I posted links to some studies um, that, you know, phys- that, that noted that physical similarity predicted, you know, uh, who somebody would, sit next to (laughs) like and it was just it wasn't even you know it it was true even when they controlled for sex and race and attractiveness um uh so you know one study just looked at glasses wearing (laughs) and whether that Mm -hmm. would predict um something about who who you're attracted to and who you want to sit next to choose to sit next to there was hair length hair color all this stuff anyway it's fascinating right and then then that's not even taking into account class um, you know, and how class is revealed based on how you, how, how one might dress, um, or even values, right? Like I, I think values have, it can be revealed sometimes by how we choose to, um, 
display ourselves. Um, so I thought this was an interesting conversation. Twitter thinks that this makes me a narcissist, um, superficial, shallow bitch. <laughs> narcissist. All kinds of stuff. Mm. I've been I've been called all kinds of names, and there are a lot of people really mad because they're like, "Oh, so she doesn't have. She only hangs out with girls who look exactly like her." Um, or so hot. more specific, <laughs> more yeah. Well, somewhere like I think. You know, I think what makes this harder to take and why people seem to assume that this people assume that this meant I think I'm I'm too hot for certain people around me. Because I mentioned I mentioned <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned one one um, uh, example of my in my real life where I had I met some of these online friends in real life. Um, this was like after a conference <laughs> or something. And and these these dudes were three dudes. I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail because in case somebody's listening, um, they were like tall men, middle-aged. And I, this was a few years ago. So I'm like 25 or something. Um, uh-huh. uh, and they are dressed very similarly. They're like, you know, ca- professional casual type dress. I'm wearing, you know, cutoff shorts and some top that I got from, you know, I don't like know, a crop like, top, yeah, something very from hot topic, silly like that. At, and at that point, I like when I walked Did it in, I was porn like, star <laughs> across the front. Um, it said, uh, I don't really care to you. Um, okay. Okay. Eat the rich. That's okay. But, right. but so <laughs> I, I met this group and I remember thinking like, okay, they seem like they're friends, like already, you know, they seem like a group. And I was like the last to enter. And I just immediately felt like, oh, whoa, I don't fit, you know. And people made a lot of of this. Um, they presumed that what I meant by this was like, I'm so hot, and these guys are not hot. <laughs> um, uh, and got very, very middle aged. So because I said, I, like, I, I, I guess I, I, you I, were <laughs> saying they're they're pro- they were probably like thirty two. Okay. No, no, they were middle aged. They're middle aged. They're like forties. So wait, um, how did you meet them? Did you online, wait, did you meet them on, do, like do, online sugar yeah. daddy kind of thing that you were? If only. Oh wait, sorry. No. Yeah. Okay. You kind of three. You kind of three sugar daddies <laughs> at the same time. I mean, if they're kind of poor, maybe it was a Groupon <laughs> for them. If they're not, if they don't have quite the money to be a sugar daddy, they can form a collective. Oh, like a like a timeshare, but it's, yeah, it's actually yeah, it's actually very it's very um, socialist. I think it sounds very. Uh, I feel like the the new the new socialists would like this. Yeah, we'll have to work on that as an idea. But okay, anyway, so you met these guys. They were middle aged. They were dressed business casual, and you were wearing hot pants. So have you never a crop top? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't ever happen to you. You've never walked into a, you know, a situation and felt like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, um, not fitting. Have I ever felt out of place that way? I don't know because it's it's interesting that you this happened to you because you had met these people online and then when you went to meet them in real life, there was something off. I guess probably not because. You know, when I was in my 20s, I was like interacting in real life all the time. Like you just you kind of had a sense of like physical space. You were in the physical world in a way that you're not. So you probably had already sorted, you know, like you've already like if there's something implicit happening, it's already it's it's happened immediately. Um, And that's how you're. So this is what I this is what I'm thinking. So I'm thinking 
And people were denying. Lots and lots of people were just totally, they were like, no, not me. You know, I'm, you know, two feet tall. My friends are all six feet tall. Um, <laughs> That's, and I, yeah. I just, Every so, six feet tall, they, you know, some of my best friends are two feet tall. <laughs> Like, it was just so, I feel like, it felt like people were going out of their way to be like, I am not shallow. You're, you are shallow for even, mm-hmm. you know, noticing this. But, I mean, obviously it's real. Like, obviously there's, um like, somebody posted about, like, the unreal, uh, unrealistic nature of, like, the Scooby-Doo gang, you know. <laughs> and it's true. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a Scooby lot that's unrealistic. Ne- that kind of, they would never have that kind of dog. <laughs> right. And th- I mean, it's a s- ridiculous, uh, obviously scooby-doo but you know there's people all from all these different uh, with all these different statuses like socially but also just segmented like yeah, very that's very widely a, differently like that's a staple of like children's television there's like it's a gang mm-hmm. it's like the bloodhound mm-hmm. gang like there's but you a, don't there's expect one... it in shows you know you don't expect it in like adult shows you just sort of want it to be well you, but, for, for me it doesn't pa- pass a smell test all the time well i mean it definitely doesn't pass the smell test when it's something like a black like if it's racial if there's like a bunch of people and one of them's black and one of them's asian and one of them's muslim and like that yeah, that, yeah. that's one of them's in a wheelchair far. one of them has exactly. alopecia like yeah yeah right i i, I, I hate that <laughs> um what yeah but the attractiveness thing well did okay because i was thinking about this and i was thinking about two shows that have four girls so sex in the city would be one and girls lena dunham show would be another so sex in the city you would say that those girls are all equally attractive although they're all again there's a type there's the nerdy one and the sexy one and the quirky one so somebody mentioned that this was just sort of part of how they write even though it's unrealistic it uh, as a storytelling vehicle it's very helpful like one in terms of just setting up different scenarios of like what could possibly happen of like different interactions. And then the second is that it allows viewers, different viewers to see themselves in different characters. Well, you know? also, and then that's yeah. an important part of and relating to the show. Type. I mean, that's like even for for the male gaze, let's just say. Right, if, if we're talking right. about women, I mean I mean, I remember Sarah Heppola did a documentary, a podcast about the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, and they were talking about how even though they were all sort of basically you now they're all extremely attractive and a certain kind of physical type mostly that they wanted to make sure there was like the cute one the girl next door one and the super sexy yeah. maybe slutty <laughs> one and you know the one with the pigtails and the black one and the da 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 so there's that element yeah um, and I, I think that's a lot to do with just the fact that it is a performance so because they're presuming that there is an audience and they want as wide of a of an audience um yeah uh, they want as you know a large amount of people to be able to see themselves in someone you know so i get that i guess um so that was a good that was a good response and that was kind of what i was looking for you know like i wanted like a real discussion of one how why it happens in tv and then why it happens in real life and then maybe on top of that what does it mean about like the online world and how we relate to each other and the fact that these kinds of things are stripped away you don't know about you know so i'm increasingly meet people in real life now who I have corresponded with for a long time online, you know, sometimes years, like I've I've DMing them, whatever, or, or, or on signal or WhatsApp or whatever. So there's, there's lots of people now that I only know through online and then I meet. 
And it's kind of strange. And I notice that every time it's kind of a surprise as to um, what I might find about them that was not what I expected, not what I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I remember I met I met this one um, woman who I'd been talking to for some time and I had this impression of her, of who she was. And I thought she was this introvert, introvert, like quiet, nice, like type of person. And she was very nice, uh, but she had a totally different energy about her in real life. Like in real life, she's super extroverted, like, mm. hand, like loud and like energy mm-hmm. and hands and, you know, and um, I just didn't, and I'm not saying this is going to come across, but I love her. Like she was, this was great. Um, it was a nice surprise, but it was a surprise. I don't know why I didn't expect that. I don't know what about her online behavior seemed different. Um, or maybe it was, it was neither. It, it didn't indicate one or the other, but I just presumed introvert because that's what I am. Um, mm. You know, and, and, and so there's, there's something about move, you know, the online space. Um, that's a very different, like social, um, you know, like topography. <laughs> I'm not denying that you can't have lasting bonds with people who are different than you. It's just that there's that initial sense of 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 fit that yes. is hard to hard for me to articulate. Honestly, and that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to articulate it, um, and I failed, obviously, which is why I'm getting so badly ratioed. Um, the other <laughs> you're gonna get canceled over okay. this. This I is get, gonna be after all this ex-Muslim stuff and all everything that you have done. You're gonna get your career is gonna end over. I making a regularly tweet about have. I I mean, this is if 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 we wanted to include this as part of the podcast, this could be like a weekly, like Sarah's dumb take and oh. corresponding ratio. Um, because I I I like to be. I like to. I don't think about these things. I just shoot it out. You know, like it's. Oh, I'm curious about this. Let me just start tweeting, uh-huh. um, which is probably really, really stupid. Actually, should stop. Um, but <laughs> but so here's the, the other interesting thing about what happened there. Um, I- immediately after the the sort of the kind of the ratio began, a lot of people, you know, I as I said, they presumed something about that scenario that I mentioned with my three friends that I met. They presumed that I was. It wasn't that I'm just. I'm feeling like, you know, class or age fit, you know, that there's something going on that, that, that is, uh, outside of hotness. They presumed it was hotness. Like they presumed that, um, I just feel like I'm too attractive for these nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, which was so, I well, was that's like, probably because they're what? nerds. They're but projecting, they're projecting because they do, but they uh, probably do think that of themselves, you know? Kind of. It felt like there was a lot of projection going on. And I I thought like, it, um, you know, somebody commented and said that that they, oh, it was Kat, um, Rosen, Rosenfeld? Rosenfield? Rosenfield. Rosenfield. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, she said that there's something about women discussing looks, um, you know, sort of honestly and matter of factly uh, that tends to to evoke strong reactions in people. Um, and strong reactions in men, you know, specifically. Mm. And I noticed there were a lot of guys who were like, what a, she's so shallow, you know, like, and, no, and seemed very, was, very mad. But they also, were very but upset. you are obviously attractive. So I think that. So you think, it, I don't think this would have gone down the way it went down if, you know, I was just like a, a, a man, you know, and like just maybe well, no, an average looking, no. like forgettable looking dude. Like, well, I, think, you I, think not, been... I think this wouldn't have happened. Well, a, a guy wouldn't talk about other guys' looks, and if a guy was to talk about women's looks, he would be immediately thrown off the face of the earth. So, 
I, t- I talked about guys looks too. Yeah. I talked about like the hangover guys. I talked about, you know, just mentioned oh, them as did? like, I, I mentioned the hangover. It was a, please don't, nobody look this up. It was a dumb thread. Okay. <laughs> what day was um, it? Wait, but, what, what time and day did you think? <laughs> no, I, I, I use them as an example of like, Zach Galifianakis' character is like the odd man out of the group. And it's very clear he's the odd man out. Um, but you need you need the story to explain it, like he's a like brother in law or whatever, you know. Right. And yes. that's how he gets into the group, um, and that I find believable when they do things like that. But if if Zach Galifianakis's character, as he was, was just part of the group, yes, that would be very odd, and I wouldn't believe it at all. Um, and it's more than just the physical appearance difference, which is obviously huge. Um, but there was also just attitude and the way he spoke and. The, you know, the, yeah, all he's, these other he'll, things. He's from a different kind of social milieu than those other guys. Right, right. And that's what I was trying to get at, you know, that that there's ways to make these kinds of differences believable in a story and, and unbelievable. Well, that's um, what they do on Girls with the Shoshana. The, uh-huh. she, she's like such a basic, like her whole personality. I've never seen the show. Oh, what? Do you, yeah. you know what it is, right? Are you saying I mean, that you're I, too I, young I just, to know what girls people, is? People talk like, about it. I don't like, know. It's I don't, my gosh, I've never it's been like intrigued. A, but... it's, it's a part of television history in your Why? mind. <laughs> I actually think it was great. I mean, I think Lena Dunham is brilliant. And it's funny because I did a um, – she is somebody who like purposely – I mean, she would say this herself. She like purposely makes herself look – less hot almost as a sort of political statement sometimes i think but i did a profile uh for about her for the new york times magazine several years ago i think it was back in like 2014 and i spent several days with her and um you know we were hanging around she's a great person to write a profile of because she just gives you everything i mean we were like (laughs) chatty best friends by the end you know and um uh, she walks down the street. She looks exactly like that character. Like she is that mm. character and she dresses like that character. And so we'd be walking around Brooklyn and it was like being on the show because people were mm. like, Hey, 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 like it was, she just is, there's no separation between the, the stage, the, the scenes being shot and, her sort of real life. I mean, obviously there is a huge separation, but the, aesthetically it's like a fine uh. line, but um, yeah. But so the, but the Shoshana character is um, like a very, like a basic, like very like Jewish American princessy. And she, I think is supposed to be somebody's cousin. Um, mm. I think she's supposed to be okay. either Le- Lena's cousin or somebody. Yeah. So she, she's not um, sort of organically part of the social group. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think so Marnie fine. and yeah. Marnie and and Lena. I think those characters, Allison Williams character. I think she. I think they met. They went to college together. I think that's part of the story. So yeah. But but I I definitely know people who went to those very very small private schools where there just weren't as many people. So your your group of friends, you are you know you're you're similar class level yeah. but yeah. you might be more diverse just in terms of your style whereas i went to an enormous public high school and you know my friend yeah. group was basically we all wore the exact same izod shirts and feral sweaters and had feathered back hair so yeah my um all my 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 education has been at like large like large high schools large colleges and yeah. it was just um yeah it people self-segregated into like very specific groups yes i mean and, you know and and we've talked about this before with like fraternities and sororities but it's like everybody in a for, sort there were there were specific sororities for south asians there were two i think there were two wow. south asian 
frats when I went to like where I went to school. Um, and it, um, it was weird, you know, like it was weird. Are they, um, did they fight each other? Like what were the differences between were, the two of them? I think there might just be one now. I don't know, but, uh, I didn't like them. They, ugh, I just, I didn't like them. Their house was messy. Not good. <laughs> didn't, I mean, all, you know, whatever. But, um, the, I think the bigger that the bigger the environment and the more cho- choices you have, the more likely you are to sort of self-segregate into these, yes. these specific, you know, topologies, um and uh you know i i'm all in favor of environments that force people of different strata to to spend time with each other and you see that in smaller towns that's why in large cities your friend group tends to be very homogenous so like Mm -hmm. i lived in lincoln nebraska for several years a long time ago um i had moved there from new york city and yeah, I mean, Lincoln is not a small, small town, but I was really struck by just the the way that people hung out together. Who, you know, one person would have a PhD and the other person would work at a factory. Yeah, and I'm not saying they were like routinely going to each other's dinner parties, although they certainly sometimes were. Um, and that's the kind of thing you would not see in a big city. So right, right, yeah. Um. All right. Well, so- should we? Um, should we wrap it up for the, at least for our, our non-paying freeloaders? Yeah, I think so. So this was, um, an interesting episode, I think. Um, some people asked about how to subscribe onto the are, Substack. Are they, they that know. stupid? Somebody, somebody they don't know said, how to hit don't, a no, don't call people who are willing to pay Sorry. for our podcast. I know it's challenging. <laughs> we yeah. are, um, you guys are all brilliant. Um, and especially brilliant are the people who, um, are paying subscribers. Um, and the way you can do that is you have to go to a special place.substack.com. That's how you have to go to the Substack. It's not like a Patreon. It's well, it's, 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 it's close. It's like a Patreon <laughs> alternative. <laughs> um, but you don't go on Patreon to find it's us. Better you go than on Patreon. It's much special easier. Place. It's much easier to deal with than Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, a special place at subs.substack.com. Uh, um, and that's where you find our podcast page. And if you subscribe, you can become a paying subscriber. We have different like levels. Um, and that's when you will get access to our, um, extended episodes. That That's how to do it. Yes. Um, and then I think, you know, the, so this episode was just a lot about, um, this was really serious. Normally this was it's a serious way funnier. Episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was kind of stupid at the end, so that was good. I'm glad I. Yeah, I know that. I'm glad we brought it back to. I think we should go back to talking about which uh, terrorists and dictators are hot. So maybe we'll go back to that. Okay. Okay. Like the For Aitola, next time. The Ayatollah Khomeini, <laughs> not so hot. No, I didn't like. I wasn't into him. Um. Okay. So. So yeah, and but keep the comments coming. We have a really lively comment uh, thread. Yeah, the comments are great. The comments are great. You guys are so smart, and uh, they really are. Yeah, yeah, they're so and they're so thoughtful. And I, I feel like I could respond. Like we could have an episode based on like, and you know, any one particular comment. I feel like we could just launch from there um, into a conversation. So thank you for giving us all this amazing fodder and things to think about and chew on. Really appreciate it. Um, Let me know how how stupid my thread was for sure oh your twitter thread (laughs) 
my Twitter um, in general, everything okay. I say on this podcast. No, no, just kidding. Don't, don't, don't look it up. Don't ever go on my Twitter. Don't follow me. Um, I have a list of tweets that I didn't send, see, which is really good. It's like mm. sometimes I think of something and I write it down or I text it to a friend. I often do that. I have it and I text to a oh, friend. Oh, good and for I you. Say, and I say, I did, I'm texting this to you so I don't tweet it. And they're like, good idea. That's so, that's so smart. I just tweet it. I yeah, just, I I just have say more it. Followers I have no filter. I did it. But I, 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 you know, it's sort of like, do I want to, do I want to ruin my career just with this? Do I really want to do that? I mean, so I see it. That's the thing. You got to have, you got to have no career to ruin. And then you have a career. (laughs) I have a career, but it's, it's, it's separate. I try to career. (laughs) You have huge hair and a huge career. If they become a paid subscriber, can they touch your hair? Um, yeah, definitely. Sure. Why not? Okay. I don't mind. I don't mind it. You're the one who minds the braid no, thing. I don't mind it. People hair. can braid your, your my hair. hair. Okay. Your if you like, become yeah. a top <laughs> 250, like the, the top tier subscriber, founding whatever member. it is that we are, the founding member subscribers, you can braid my hair if we ever Wow. Meet. Yeah. Okay. That's big. That's how. All right. That's how you much. You heard it here um, first. All right. Well, I don't know how we're going to top this in the bonus content, but we will. Okay. So... All right. Well, until then, everybody. Uh, see you in hell. See you oh, in hell. Are Should we saying we... that? Are we? This is. Uh, we're taking it. The Red Scare ladies do it, but um, yeah, I think we should just take it. Screw them. Yeah. All right. See you in hell. See you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>